We're off. We are live. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> off we go again. Hello, friends, and welcome to this installment of Plan First Wealth and Friends, a live show where James Boyle and myself, Richard Taylor, get together with a fellow professional in the expat space, someone who has something of value or interest to share with our community of British expatriates in America, and we get them to tell us their story and to spill the beans. So with, si uh, with James and I today, as you all know, is Simon Misevich. This is our regular installment. Stumbled there, Simon. Sorry. I know you keep, keep telling me to say Simon M, but I'm committed to getting it right, Give, giving him the respect he deserves, giving him the respect his, his Polish surname deserves. You all know the gig. This is our monthly installment of a live Q&A with a US-UK tax advisor and a US-UK financial planner, which is myself and James. Simon will introduce himself shortly, but he is the founder and managing director of Optimize Accountants in the UK, who have been providing property and expat tax advice for 20 years and with whom Plan First Wealth now has a formal working relationship to provide coordinated, integrated tax preparation and planning. That's a critical part of this. It's about tax compliance in the US, but it's about forward-looking tax planning, helping people save money on their taxes through planning. That's what's missing, we think, from most traditional CPA relationships, and we're very excited to bring this to our clients. Before we get to good stuff, over to James to do the boring stuff. Sorry, James. Absolutely. Plan First Wealth is a registered investment advisor. The information presented today is for educational purposes only. Plan First Wealth does not provide any tax and or legal advice and strongly recommends that clients seek their own advice in these areas. Uh, one more note for anyone watching live on any of our social media channels, be it YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, or any others. Uh, please feel free to comment as we go. Ask us any questions you have. We're happy to, to stop out and, and uh, answer along the way here. All right. Thank you, Richard. Back to you. Wunderbar. Thank you, James. Simon, over to you. So just to remind everyone who you are and then we'll take things from there. Indeed. I am Simon M. Uh, for everyone listening <laughs> yeah. in. So I am a qualified UK US uh, tax specialist. I've, I've predominantly focused in real estate taxes, but in the last two, three years focused on very much on expats moving from the United States to the United Kingdom, or indeed moving from the United Kingdom to the United States. But want to be tax efficient in all matters in regards to employment, self-employment or business investment income. And I help you to do that with compliance in mind. But the big thing for me is to make sure that you are as tax efficient as possible across the pond. Wonderbar. Wonderbar. Okay. Let me hand over to James. What's on the docket today? What's come in? Yeah. So again, just a reminder, if you're watching live, feel free to send in any questions that are top of mind for you. We do have a theme for today's uh, session. We've been getting a lot of questions about inheritance uh, and concerns around inheritance, proper compliance, proper reporting. So if we start with a general question we received, I think this was actually maybe during our last session. Someone asked, if I receive inherited funds in the UK, do I need to report this to the IRS? And is this a taxable event? And maybe a corollary to that, does that answer change if it's, you know, cash, funds, a portfolio versus a property or a house? James, just do me a favor. Sorry, I drifted off there at the beginning. Just say that again. If I receive inherited funds in the UK, so someone mm -hmm. passes, I receive funds. Mm -hmm. A, do I need to report this to the IRS? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is this a taxable event? Mm -hmm. And then finally, do these answers change whether it's cash, investment funds, a portfolio, 
or a property, a house of some sort. Okay, I'm going to let Simon answer, but I'm just going to start. I'm glad this question's been asked because this is something that trips up a lot of people with con- yeah. with consequences. Yeah, I'll I'll shut up for a second. I'm sure I'll blurt something out shortly. <laughs> From my perspective, I this applies to the UK as well as the United States, so you can use that for both countries in terms of what I'm going to share with you. <clears throat> the person that pays the tax is the person that dies. So the assets that they're passing on to the beneficiaries, they will have an inheritance tax allowance. And anything over and above that typically will be taxed up to about 40%. And again, that applies to the United States and to the United Kingdom. The beneficiaries of those assets will not have to pay any further taxes until two things happen. One, they sell the assets where there is a gain from the moment that they inherited the property, whatever it might be. Is that the, um, is that the moment the person died? From the moment they died, yeah. What, okay. what, when they, the value of the, the property in question. So it could be a, a how the, the one thing I have to be mindful of is when I say the word property, because property to Americans yeah. means completely different things. But so, Simon, just to be clear, mum and dad die, the house is valued at a million pounds. Six months later, probate is finalized and you take ownership of that house and sell it. Let's say you sell it immediately. Yeah. If it's gone up in value from a million to 1.2 million pounds in those six months, there's no tax on the it receiving the house, but there is tax on the sale and the fact that it's gone up in value 200,000 pounds in that six months since your, your parent passed away. And you didn't inherit it then because I had to go through probate, but you, you effectively you did, right? That is tax right. Purposes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's saying, keeping on that same theme, if you have a rental property which you've inherited and you receive rental income, that also becomes taxable in your own name. And that, again, applies irrespective if you're based in the United Kingdom or indeed the United States. The same applies. The difference, of course, is for your, in terms of the, your parents that pay inheritance tax. And this is a good thing for you to consider of where you live but in the united kingdom you have a paltry three hundred twenty-five thousand pounds iht lifetime allowance compared to 12 million dollars circa in the united states so big difference big difference <laughs> big difference yeah this is why domicile is so important yeah. uh, although it's not really relevant in this question because i'm assuming you know is an expat's domicile is important. So your inheritance, your estate is important. But if you've inherited from someone in the UK, they presumably weren't an expat. So there's no question yeah. of domicile. But, uh, the, but the, the thing that's being that, missed... Sorry, just on that point though, Richard, because albeit it doesn't impact you in the first instance, it does impact you on the second instance. So if you inherit a UK property uh, and you have other UK assets, even though you're, that you've moved to the United States, as an example you would still be subject to UK inheritance tax on your death on the UK assets, even if you're domiciled in the United States. So there is a lot of danger of people thinking, I'm domiciled in a country, in one country, so my, my worldwide assets would only be subject to that country's inheritance tax laws of 12 million for the US. But actually that's not true because the assets are situated in the United Kingdom and therefore they're still subject to UK inheritance tax. 
And also, don't think just because you're in the US that you're now domiciled in the US. Domicile is a much, much trickier and thornier topic than simply, oh, I'm in the US now, and therefore I'm a US domicile. No, that's residence. Now, that's not to say you can't achieve a domicile in the US, but you can. it's not as easy as you think it is. And also, you can sever it. If you move from New York to Florida to retire, you may have established a domicile of choice in New York, but the act of moving to Florida can just throw your domicile back to the UK. So this is a super, this is you need legal advice here. It can get very it can get very expensive. Not legal advice necessarily, but not taking legal advice. The cost of not doing it can get very expensive to your heirs. And there can be big money on the ta- big money on the table. The difference if you, if you've established a domicile of choice in New York and you're now subject to the twelve million dollar estate exemption in the states, you inadvertently move throw your domicile back to the UK by changing state. Well, now you've got a three hundred fifty grand sterling. Nil rate band. Just throw an extra piece of charcoal with petrol. (laughs) If you have, if you believe that you are domiciled in the United States, you have that $12 million exemption inheritance tax. If you lose your domicile or you never had it to begin with properly, the exemption is $60,000. Yeah. yeah. Here's a question for you. And this might be a lawyer question. I always wonder this. Domicile in the UK, and we, you're born in the UK, you've got a domicile of origin. You move to the US, you become a green card, you become a citizen. So in the US, there, you plan on staying in the US. So I, I, my understanding of it is that at that point, you're deemed to have a US, the, the US de- considers you a US domicile because you intend to live there and you've got US citizenship. You move state. And from a UK perspective, that might throw your domicile back to the UK. You might lose that domicile of choice until you reestablish a new one. Can you therefore be domiciled in two countries because the UK consider you domiciled in the UK. The US consider you domiciled in the US and neither one cares. Now, I'm sure that there is an estate tax agreement between the two countries, which would mitigate that presumably, but you, can you effectively be domiciled in two countries? Technically speaking, you'd be domiciled in one because domicile means where you intend to live the remaining of your days. Yeah. So I don't know if you know about Richard Burton, who the comedian was. That was a tragic mistake. Um, you mean the well? So, you mean Elizabeth Taylor's husband? The yeah Welsh person. Yeah, who's yeah. Was for forever been in the United States, but in his wishes said, "I actually want my ashes to be scattered in Wales." And HMRC said, "We will charge you inheritance tax because your ashes, where you live, and this is not even living. This is in death." where you intend to be immortalized pretty much because the guy died right (laughs) but they've caught him on the fact that he in his wishes he says i always intend to come back to wales yeah 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 i did know and that's you that's your domicile so it's really it's quite tricky and you have this with state tax laws as well uh, which i'm picking up on new york is quite a tricky one um so the way to to focus this on is where you really do intend to live and you have to give up your home wherever you're leaving and you have to establish a home in the country you're in things can in terms of family business commitments it's always better to be in the country that you're in rather than keep having ties to the united kingdom if you literally try to leave the uk but the, there are problems with losing domicile in the UK. I know this for certain because I personally am trying to get rid of my domicile status because I'm in Spain and there's a lot better inheritance tax rules around even Spanish tax law. 
but I have to give up my home. I have to pretty much sever a lot of ties to do with immediate depending family members. They have to be with me in Spain. So there's a lot of things that can go wrong if you're not careful. And I think so, but Simon, if you if you are successful, right, in establishing a domicile of choice in Spain, and you then move to the US, my understanding of it is you're even if you've established that domicile of choice in the the in Spain, your domicile upon moving will revert back to the UK until you have established a domicile of choice in the US. And mm. this is why I think domicile opinions are so important because it's much easier for HMRC uh, or the IRS, but we're talking mainly about HMRC here, to to look back and with the benefit of hindsight and find reasons why you're domiciled in the UK. Whereas if you have a domicile of if you have a if you have a domicile opinion from an attorney that sets out all the criteria in the case for you being domiciled in this new country, even if you've just arrived there, even if you move state, I think that's a, I think that's the most powerful thing you can do, as I understand it. Yeah. I will just say Great. So just to answer this question directly, we've we've said there should be no tax consequences on inheriting. Might be tax consequences on sale, but there's no tax consequences on, on inheriting assets because the tax has been paid by the person who died. Correct. What catches people out in the US, though, is reporting. Mm. You have to report inheritances in gifts, inheritances from foreign persons or entities as a US person. And the, if they're over a certain amount for individuals, if you receive a gift or inheritance from an individual or, or related individuals, I think that limit is $100,000. If you receive yeah. it from a company, it's much lower. And most inheritances will be above $100,000. Not all, obviously, but but many will be. You have to report it on 3520, I believe. It's just a line. And this is what catches me. Oh, I don't have any tax. I don't have any tax to pay. So that's it. Job done. You don't report it on 3520 and they find out they can tax you like 25% of the inheritance or gift. Like it's not an, it's a substantial amount. For, for for something where there's no tax due, it's wrong in my opinion, but it is what it is. That's a common misconception, Richard. We hear, I think, it, just speaking in generalities, but this persistent idea that if there's no tax due from a from a layperson's perspective, if there's no tax due, then I shouldn't have to report it. That is patently not the case <laughs> from the IRS perspective, certainly. We uh, this, those this, ideas this is, should not be entwined. It's unique to the U.S., James. Mm-hmm. This idea, I, everyone, certainly the people we deal with, and I'm sure the people Simon deal with, everyone wants to be tax compliant. Everyone wants to pay the taxes. Everyone doesn't want to, sorry, but everyone's going to pay the taxes. And in 99% of the world, you declare income and growth, you pay taxes, and that's it, right? In the US, you have to do that, but you also have to report foreign assets annually. And if you don't, the penalties are scary. And it's this. It's the reporting of assets and reporting of inheritances and gifts, even when no tax is due. It's this that catches so many people out. And we just keep banging the drum and banging the drum and banging the drum. I hope it gets through. Just to tag on that that, that just, part of the question. I imagine that as well. Sorry, last point. Someone's of microphone's course. getting all funny. I don't know who it is. Just on that point of 3520 reporting. So what we can't forget as well is that as soon as you inherit assets, whether that's savings accounts, bank accounts, whatever else it might be, that then immediately have to be reported on form 8938 and your FBAR as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point. Uh, and also, if you're, if, let's assume this is an elderly parent and they 
execute a power of attorney for you and you become power of attorney for them and you then have signatory authority over their accounts they have to be reported on fbar and h938 they're not even your accounts you, but you have signatory authority over them you have to report them that catches people out understandably okay james what was the next one just to tag final one on that on the third piece i think we answered it but basically do these answers change if it's depending on the form of the inheritance so funds cash property essentially no you still need to report it whether it's a property whether it's cash whether it's a mixture of those things and again that reporting threshold is fairly low to be aware of that no tax on the inheritance tax if there's gain since you inherited it since that person died but reporting it is the same 3520 definitely just the inheritance and maybe other forms as well depending on the instrument like a property, as I understand it, Simon, correct me if I'm wrong, a property wouldn't be reported on 8938 or FBAR, no. but no. bank accounts would be. Yes. Okay. As would pensions. Yes, as would pensions, yeah. And, and, you know, depending on the pension, there could be 3520, another 3520 requirement. So. <laughs> so much fun. So we touched on this a bit before we went live, uh, the idea and, and that we've covered here. Sometimes it's even more important to consider what you're doing after you have the inheritance, right? Or, or what you do following an inheritance. But we commonly get asked this. Someone asks, if I know or suspect I'll be receiving an inheritance in the next year or so, or two years, call it. Is there anything I should be doing now to prepare or optimize in advance of receiving this inheritance? Mm. Number one is going to be to engage a, a qualified cross-border tax accountant, right? That's our standing recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll second that. <laughs> yeah. There, there is a couple of things for me on this point in as much as, is it right? So I advise a couple of my clients on a regular basis for you not to receive the asset at all. So it uh -huh. might be your parents that say, I want to give this asset to you, but if you're in a position where, and I, I'm having this conversation with my mum that I don't need her money. And actually it, it gives, for me personally, it gives the right, wrong signals out. And I said, I'd rather it go to Hugo, my son, who's her grandson. So it, inheriting someone else's money also causes me an inheritance tax issue that I need to deal with. So could you kick the can down the line? So it is possible to do that. You do need to think about in the UK, that's not so, so much of a problem. But in the US, you do need to think about generation skipping tax. So you need to be a bit careful about that. But again, get some tax advice on that. In the UK, I'm thinking if you're in the UK or in the US, this is relevant for the US, right? If you're in the UK with no US issues, or if you're in the US with no US, no UK issues, you just do generation skipping trusts, right? That kind of thing. Yep. But trust, if you are, this then, this then opens up a whole other topic for us. If you are a UK person, sorry, if you are a US person, with links to a UK trust, right? So if you're the trustee, if you're the beneficiary of a UK trust, then there can be profound implications. Mm. And nine times out of 10, the person who set up and advised you, your parents or whoever on the trust in the UK has no idea about them. We encounter this all the time. People have got themselves into an absolute pickle because they've their family have received good advice from a UK perspective in the UK and they've thought nothing of adding a US trustee or US beneficiary and it just creates a mountain of non-compliance and 
issues that then need to be unraveled eventually. Mm. And it, it's doable. You just got to be very careful and employ expert advice. Someone who understands US, UK trusts and can help you navigate that. And I very much would say it's a case by case basis as well. Yeah. Because no generic answer should be given for that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Trust for a minefield. People mm. just think as well because, oh, it's trust. Trust are big in the US, trust are big in the UK, but they're not. The two systems don't play well together. I don't, as far as I understand it, I'm even I'm not an expert on this subject matter. I just know it's, it can be a right mess. Mm. This is a maybe a bit of an aside of what we've talked about already, but when we talk about reporting requirements, oftentimes the questions we field, the assets are still in probate. So my understanding, and, and this is same in the States, probate can take some time, right? Six months, 12 months, 18 months. Someone has asked my mother, or we've inserted here, mother, father, aunt, a relative has died recently. The assets are still in probate. Do I need to report this now or not until I've received the funds or property? Yeah. And that, I think there is a difference here, actually, because in the UK, you tend to have an executor and it will be the executor who will get the assets. And then depending on the, <clears throat> if the money is going to stay where it is and the Again, another complexity is they trust in terms of when is money pay, paid out to the beneficiaries. Because you could have in the UK, you could have things like discretionary trust where the money stays into a trust. So again, it's not actually, I was just about to say this is okay to answer, but it's not because it really does depend on the, the type of asset you have. Simon, let's assume no trust. Let's just assume a property and a, and a bank account. If you're the executor, Mm. would you so i don't know the answer if you're an executor you have signatory authority over stuff would you then have to report it you would if yeah. you were a beneficiary if you were a named beneficiary of the will but you weren't an executor would you not would you have to report it prior to actual distribution so the asset hasn't been passed over mm. so it can't be taxable in your name because mm. technically speaking it's with the executor Mm. Uh, so it is they that has to pay the taxes. How that gets sorted out, it, by the way, is, is another whole issue that you have to deal with. But once the asset is then out of probate into your hands as a beneficiary, that is the time that you have income. Okay. So if you're if someone passes away and you're executor, then yes, reporting requirements. If someone passes away and you're a beneficiary of the will but not an executor, then you probably don't have reporting requirements so i think i miss i think i missed misstated before mum and dad die on the first of january property goes into probate six months later property is sold for a two hundred thousand pound gain does the executor have to pay tax on that gain or does the beneficiary receive it at 1.2 million and then but it has a cost basis of 1 million because that's when the, what it was when the person died yes gosh I've not looked at this for a while, but the let's imagine that the asset's being passed on and it had gone up in value mm -hmm. at the moment it was then transferred over. Then it went up in value again yeah. when we had the asset. Technically speaking, there's two capital gains tax elements. There's the first bit of the uplift in value. Yeah. And then when the value was then increasing once more, so you got two taxable events that goes to the beneficiary because they've received the asset at the higher value. 
Now, on that point, inheritance tax would have been charged at the uh, value on death, not probate value, you know, in terms of if it's been changed. The tax authorities have only had up to a certain level in terms of taxes. From their standpoint, it would have to be the beneficiaries that pay capital gains tax, simply because they've, the HMRC in this regard, have only had it up to the point of death and no further. Mm -hmm. Sorry, if I'm understanding you rightly, then, and my example, property value of 1 million on date of death, property value of 1.2 million, the date probate is closed, the executor doesn't pay tax on the growth from 1 million to 1.2 million it gets passed to the beneficiary and the beneficiary would have to pay tax when they sell yeah. it on the growth above 1 million the executor Correct. is just responsible for paying tax that was due on date of death on the asset value of the date of death and they've got the, and the probate is the amount of time it takes to sort that out and liquidate assets that kind of thing unless you've got insurance i actually think for expats and again it's case by case basis but for with us uk ties life insurance is probably the most easiest and most straightforward solution for inheritance tax because you don't have to worry about cross-border trusts i'm sure that I, I don't know what a lawyer would say about that you don't yeah life insurance is quite straightforward most of the time not always in america they've got a, a way of making life insurance incredibly complicated here <laughs> but strip out all that nonsense it can be very good for covering inheritance tax liabilities super duper anything else james yeah, I think we we covered them all. Woohoo! All right, that was a thorny inheritance. So, if people are and if, if there's a deluge of inheritance coming, then and you need it needs to be reported and invested and, and tax efficient, then you know, call us, <laughs> call us, call Simon. We can help. We can help you. We can help make sure you do it compliantly, so the IRS don't come knocking one day. And we can help you make the most of it and make sure that. Um, it does well and it doesn't cause you any headaches and you live happily ever after. What is the best way, Simon, to get in touch if, if someone is curious with you? I think the first instance is to check out our YouTube videos. Uh, they're always going to be useful uh, and it's free resource. So go to YouTube and then investigate optimized accountants for those. Otherwise, go to our website. Uh, we have plenty of free resources on there as well which is www.optimizeaccount perfect and if you're curious on the cross-border financial planning side similarly you can find us at our website www.planfirstwealth.com we'll even have a dedicated page we have a dedicated page on there to describe the strategic partnership between plan first wealth and optimize accountants if you're not on our facebook group it is an exclusive group for british expats in the u.s you can find us on Facebook, Wealth Hub US UK. Feel free to join. Ask us questions anytime. We're in there just about every day, engaging, answering questions. Other than that, Richard, want to sign us off? Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Get to our website, join Wealth Hub as well, which is our email list as well. And we'll be back to do this again in the near future. Thank you everyone for participating. Thank you all. Ciao.